Welcome back, everybody, to Dante's Divine Comedy Podcast. And today we have, uh, we're very honored to have a great guest. We have Tommaso Todesca from Los Angeles, and he is making a fantastic video series about Dante's uh, comedy, 100 episodes, 100 videos. And um, we're just going to have a, a, a chat now and how, like his relationship to Dante and the videos and also favorite parts of the comedy and discovery so far. So first of all, welcome to the show, Tomasa. Thank you and hello, Richard. Hello, everyone. Very, very happy to be here. Mm. We've been looking forward to this a long time. We've been watching your videos for half a year, I think. So um, maybe you could just say first like a bit about Dante, like when you discover Dante and what, what kind of, what Dante means to you in your life? It's a very broad question, but. It is, but I'm glad to, to answer it. And it's so great to be talking to you, Richard, after exchanging so many emails. And like you said, it's a little, it feels a little strange, right? Mm. But I'm very glad. Um, your passion for Dante is contagious. Uh, some people uh, told me the same about mine. So we, con- we are infecting each other, which is great. Mm. Um, Dante came into my life as an Italian kid, as an Italian school kid, like every other Italian, uh, force-fed by by our school system in Italy. Mm. Um, Italy has obviously recognized that you cannot educate an Italian individual without uh, uh, feeding them something, at least, about the Divine Comedy and about Dante. So you enter school, and uh, in high school, when you are 15, 16, the teacher will come in and uh, slam the book on your on the desk and say, "This is the Divine Comedy. You have to learn it." Mm. Um, obviously, at 15 or 16, you couldn't care less about uh, uh, mid- middle age uh, poetry. Um, you have other priorities and other things through you, running through your mind. However, like any other things, and um, in general, I would say just like religion in a certain sense because religion has a, a, a similar path and in your in your life of uh, it, it will infect you it will infect you it will uh, fertilize you your soul with seeds with uh, something um, even if you don't articulate it in your brain even if uh, even if you hate it even if you which i didn't because i was studying it and i didn't hate it at all it was just dante you know it's in the air you breathe in italy it's just dante dante it's not like oh i discovered this no it it already exists you know it's like uh, part of your family and uh, and then you go around go about your life uh, ups and downs and then if you're lucky like me there comes a time when you turn around you stop and you go Oh, okay, wait a second. Hold on. Is this what I learned back there? Is this actually what that means? And uh, many go through this uh, path, this type of uh, um, process, like I did. This moment for me came around uh, maybe when I was 30 or 32. Mm. Um, Because for, I've always been a big reader, and for one reason or the other, I thought, hey, let's pick up this uh, Divine Comedy, Divina Comedia again and and see what, uh, oh, you know what was the spark? Um, Some books by Vittorio Sermonti, who is one, uh, uh, was, rest in peace, he was one of the passionate, let's say, um, popular 
writers about the Divine Comedy. He, he's not really a Dante scholar, but he he recited it, and uh, and so he you can find Vittorio Sermonti on YouTube reading cantos in a very very beautiful way. So there was this book, you know, about the Inferno, and and, and I pick it up, and uh, and then it you know the 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 rabbit hole effect started from there. I started looking at uh, some videos by our beloved comedian Roberto Benigni mm. in Italy as well, who made a very popular and funny um, series of, of videos about the Divine Comedy. Very, very funny, by the way. And he loves Dante with all his heart. You, you should see it, uh, especially yeah. somebody like you. He has this. You have. Yeah, so he might also be famous for the, the movie La Vita Bella. La, uh, Correct. Yeah. Yes, yes. La Vita Bella won, uh, won an award. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's, that's how it happened. And so it, it moves from uh, being part of the wallpaper mm -hmm. when you are a kid uh, to, in my case, personal, to be at the center of my heart. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is beautiful. <laughs> I remember... So, uh, one of the times I traveled, was traveling around Italy, there was a, so like an Italian friend, she said the same with the high school experience that it was fun with Inferno the first year with high school. Purgatory was a bit weird and Paradise was just like light and angels and she thought it was like just fluff, fluffy. Very fairy, yes, <laughs> <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> so, um, um, but I, so I had something similar with kind of the first spark was I think mid-20s something I was traveling in Italy and was just a couple of well it was the opening tercet of inferno and then the, the the inscription on the gate of of inferno the third canto um especially the last sentence I mean, it's a famous one but like leave hope behind but it was just it was just the psychology of the opening that you're lost in a black you know, in a dark forest and also then that the worst with inferno is that you lose all hope it's not the pain but uh, primarily it is the loss of hope i thought it was so like it was so deep Which is deeper which is deeper yeah exactly it goes deeper in the psychology so i thought like what what this is like 700 years old literature like it feels like someone could tell me now it hit me deep now so that was uh and also remember being at lago de como and then i just memorized the the this parto del inferno the, the gate and i was just standing on this little yeah, thing yeah. Up the hill and looking over lago de como and kind of reciting the poetry and it just felt <laughs> incredible it's like this poetry comes from this soil and this is uh this is over the centuries so that's but anyways that was it's, just one it's, um, it, no it's it's great what you're saying because you're basically demonstrating one more time that uh, that what what allows you to really enter the world of the divine comedy and to really appreciate it is um that in some point in your life doesn't matter when and how you felt a loss of hope because if you haven't if you haven't you will never fully appreciate it. And uh, it's something that uh, I think most people at some point in our life feel. But if you haven't, if you are 14 or 15 and you read this stuff, you don't have the colors inside you to, yeah. to understand it. That is so true. I haven't thought exactly about that. That is a reason why it, you have to have something in you that resonates and the kind of, it tugs something in you. That's also an experience. So... Yeah, so, but that was the first little spark. And then there was nothing for 15 years almost, I think. And then suddenly I picked up Paradiso because I was curious because I, I noticed that he's going he's gonna to meet kind of the divine itself at the end. And I just had to 
I had to find out how is he describing that, <laughs> and then yeah. I I read it and it was just so so strong and forceful that I just um, had to wait a couple of more years and then I started reading and then I kind of working with it for many years now. But then it it started with Paradiso for me first and then I wanted to know the ending <laughs> and then going to Purgatory and then going most of it to two, two last books the kind of my my favorite era. That's where I still feel I learn so many things again and again and again when I'm reading it. So, um, so I'm just yeah. saying, uh, and if like for listeners as well, like you can have this one little blip or one little opening and spark, and you can leave it for ten years. It will, it will be kind of a companion for your life, maybe a friend or maybe like a love for you that can be yeah, for decades and decades. But then, you don't have to force it in that sense. Is my is my experience. That's the sign of a really truly great book, right? It, it mm. becomes like a cow, a cow that you can go back and milk yeah. whenever you want. So yeah. it, it's endless. Yes, and it's still so. I I take it out sometimes now, and I just I read half a page or just one tercet, and then then I just put it away. Then I I got the nutrition for new thought, or it just kind of it brings <laughs> up again everything. So last night was a purgatory, which is like this mount that that heals all who climb or something. And I was like, he sums he sums it all up in one little verse there, <laughs> like. If you climb the purgatory, metaphorically, you learn about the vices, the virtues, you go through this process. It's hard work, but if you do it, you will be healed. It's, it's mechanical. Suddenly, I understand that's what he's saying. It will, it will work, <laughs> but you have to do the work to, to get there. So. Um, I, and, and this is actually a point that I truly, truly love about Dante. The fact that um, he not only is not scared about hard work, but he demands, he demands that his readers do hard work number one in understanding what the hell he's saying because it's not easy to properly properly understand you know every single person but more importantly in their life mm -hmm. uh, there is no real happiness without hard work and even if it sounds maybe obvious or banal especially today is the opposite of banal right with all the comfort that we are used to mm. yeah uh, and I mean, he, he gives us support in purgatory. Like, since the pilgrim is kind of complaining a little bit, and Virgil's like, just keep going. You just stop, <laughs> stop whining. Do the work. It will be better. It's harder in the beginning. At, in the end, it will be like floating downwards in a in a boat in a little stream. Like it's gonna. And then and he uses Beatrice a couple of times. Like she, she will also be. <laughs> she is waiting. Even though it's that is a, yeah. yes, the type of coaching is the best type of coaching. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, with that, so I was thinking then about your video. So uh, I just I was watching your latest now. So you just started the Garden of Eden, the first with the Garden of Eden. Uh, but just uh, do you have any thoughts so far? You've been now through 60. How many will it be? 61. You've done 62 now. But just Inferno yeah, exactly. and Purgatory. 62. Yeah. So uh, let's take Inferno first. Like how, how was it to go through it? Like did you have any new discoveries? Um, what's the best part of, of reading it? So many new discoveries. Um, and um, to be honest with you, this might be the fourth time that I go through it. Of course, in this case, I think is the time that I read it most in depth because I'm doing my videos and so I want to grab uh, sources all, all over the place. But um, there are so many new discoveries every time. Um, in uh, and there are also once you start uh, looking at uh, 
let's talk about Inferno in particular, like, like you say, mm. once you start looking at which is possibly the most commented about, because some commentators, you know, stuck to Inferno, um, you, you, you build your own critic in your brain and your own critic is also able at a certain point to judge uh, some other, some commentators, which sometimes they, they come up with uh, outlandish interpretations. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it happened to you. Oh, yes. That you're reading a commentator and say, okay, okay, okay. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> this is, this is, uh, yes. especially outlandish. in purgatory. Like, like, yeah, you get even the, even the established big names sometimes. You say, no, you, you haven't, this is, no, <laughs> he means something else. <laughs> um, I'm sometimes yeah, reading on Italian commentaries because then, then, then you have something. Often they have, especially the spiritual part, is kind of, I think it's more uh, explored in the Italian scholarship and commentary than sometimes in the, in the Anglo-American one. So. You, you're right, you're right. There are, uh, uh, you know, <clears throat> because I understand, you know, the, 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 the scholars, they do it for, for their job and they go so deep and so much into detail in one little portion of a canto that sometimes the risk is they, they lose sight of the actual overall meaning. And so yes. they stretch the interpretation so much that I feel sometimes they go too far, too far astray. Mm. Um, but uh, no, it, you know, um, like, you know, as you know, um, I think part of the genesis of, of this project of doing 100 videos was, was COVID. To be in the COVID situation, mm. try and survive at best like everyone else of us has been trying to do in, in the last two years uh-huh. and uh, missing some uh, points of reference that you have during your normal normal life and uh, saying, you know what, I feel like I, I need to do something, you know, about because, and, and this sprung up by itself for me um, just uh, when I had started my YouTube channel or booktube channel so so it was perfect timing yeah oh it's been i think that's maybe why i found it as well because you have more time you <laughs> you kind of check the youtube again are there any new one new ones talking about dante so uh, uh, i just want to add though with the commentaries i really love for example mark musa i think it's been tremendously helpful like the penguin version for me to to have a guide into into the comedy has been really, really helpful. But at the same time, like you said there, there's something about being able to to take kind of four or five steps back and think, but, but wait, wait, what is really going on here? Which is easier if you're not spending absolutely all your time in it. So you can you can get some of those bigger lines in it, I think, sometimes. So um um yeah, but but any any favorite like Inferno is like it's I think sometimes f- for many people it's the favorite one, it's the most exciting one, it's the drama. Um, it's it's also the, maybe the most kind of narrative-driven uh, book in some sense, at least. But, yes. Yes. But at the same time, for me personally, I think it's kind of it's it's all the negative stuff, and then the constructive stuff comes in Purgatory. That's when you start fixing things. Um. So, so I'm still sometimes trying to make like a. If in the overall picture, trying to see Inferno as I know Dante said is part of this Greek way of doing rhetorics that before you can present the right solution, you have to present the wrong solution to to kind of curb any 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 objections when you when you're laying out your argument. So you kind of you take care of like yeah, but if you do it like this and that, and then he shows all all the consequences of doing the mistakes is kind of the 
uh, Inferno. But do you, do you have, uh, like, what's the most positive thing you can say about Inferno? <laughs> uh, well, I think what you said is actually very positive because um, um, it's <clears throat> the most important thing. And if somebody is listening to this podcast who is not very familiar with the Divine Comedy, the most, most important thing that I would say to, let's say, a classroom of people, if it was my very first day to teach or to do a, a lecture about Divine Comedy, is this. The Divine Comedy is only one book, and uh, uh, it would be a big mistake to only stop at one of the three cantique, because they intertwine with each other so deeply and so profoundly and so importantly, that uh, you're going to miss the 99% of the value if you're only reading the Inferno or only Purgatorio and only Paradiso. To, to your point, right? This is uh, uh, the point. While very often it's uh, taught and presented as, oh, here is Inferno, enjoy. Here is uh, Paradiso, enjoy. Well, to me, it doesn't make sense. Mm. Kind of goes into the last page, doesn't it, when you have like the... Well, what he sees as as the, the the Trinity, but like you have the, the idea of one and many in like this deep into the theology, but like the th like the three into one is also reflected in the work in itself, in the structure of the oh, work. Oh, so, that's true. That's a good comment. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you have like yeah. it's also Aristotelian. You know, like the whole is more than some of its parts. So you 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 can think like you have the three bits, and together they form something that's that's uh, that's a unity in itself. Yeah. This is a wonderful point. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, if we think about numerology, which I don't know a lot about, but, uh, you know, there is a reason why the number three became so important in history, in ancient history, as a numerology uh, symbol. And three and nine is not that, you know, somebody made it up and said, okay, let's make the three as the most important number. There is a, a reason that is related to our human being, our being human, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, and and um, I'm interested. <laughs> is it? Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. wired like that. I mean, I have I have sometimes thought about if you want to like sidestepping for a second, but a bit like this archetype way of thinking that there's something about the family structure or like for an infant that it relates to a mother and a father and itself. So there might be something very deep wiring in the psyche that you have kind of three three areas in your oh, head, absolutely. which is a sense of self and then a sense of two two people kind of. There might be something, I'm not sure, but absolutely. I mean, this is the way we we perceive our reality, you know. And uh, and let's let's not pretend it's not true, you know. Every religion uh talks about a father uh, yeah. because we don't have a better way to express God, you know, the, the, the way we feel towards God. But the reason that we grasp and we use these words is are because that's how we are made, that's how in the center of our uh, development yeah. is this uh, familiar um, three ourselves, yeah. the mother and the father. So even you know, it, <clears throat> you, when you enter a church and you are invested with these images, you know you have God or, or Jesus, but the, you, you have the Father in a sense on high. You and in a Catholic church you have Mary. Of course, there are psychological resonances of uh, of mother and father and, and family. You know, yeah. this is uh, this is why it works <laughs> at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. That struck me like I'm going on. The, like there's so many things that once, but like it's uh, the more I'm looking into like the 
Catholic theology as well, but like the like Mary is worshipped just as much as a mother than as a virgin. Like she is the like the mother <laughs> figure in, like that is worshipped in many ways. So which kind of comes yeah is present in Dante as well. I would say. Um, yeah. So, but any any just to to finish off the inferno, any any scenes, especially that kind of most breathtaking scene. Do you have any for inferno? Yeah. Um, in my let's say taste or experience, uh, um, I'm um, uh, you know the, the deeper we go, the more I'm interested in inferno because um, l l just like you said before, we have inferno which is total darkness. Then we have Paradiso, which is total light, mm -hmm. and then we have Purgatorio in the middle, and which is a mix of the two. And uh, so the total darkness uh, has the ability, you know, under Dante's pen, to get darker and darker itself. Yes. And so the, the the lower we get into Inferno, personally as a reader, the more fascinated I am because. You read something, you know, about, uh, for example, the hypocrites, let's say, and you say, "Whoa, that's that's pretty harsh," you know. You see Kaifa uh, crucified on the on on the ground. You say, "Whoa, you know, how can it get worse than that?" And it does, you know, yeah. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. And then you read something else. How is it possible that it can get worse than that? But worse, wor not in a sense of uh, of the gore and the disgusting uh, feelings. Worse in the sense of uh, uh, being human and and imagining as a as a man as a person, imagining that type of fate in yeah. eternity. Yes. Yep. I, I remember you had this video with uh, Dan Christian and uh, Jennifer Brooke Brooks. Yes. 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 When you when you, you spend some time on the worst, what I think is the worst thing of Inferno, which I just can't read even. I think it's so horrible with. Um, yeah, <laughs> Ugolino stuff. Which one was it? Uh, when Ugolino is in starving in the tower with his children. That's oh just, my! The worst for me oh, is like yeah. when he describes the look of the little boy who wonders like if he's gonna get any food. It's like it's just that's the worst oh, thing. My. That's that's kind of, that's. Then I thought, how can he do this as a writer? How can he, like you said, go even deeper? And just he's tugging at something else now. It's not. It's not the gore. It's not the. The violence or anything it's just it's just <laughs> like the look of a little boy <laughs> you're you're highlighting something important if i were asked uh, what's the deepest point of hell at least from a feeling human feeling point of view i don't think he's canto 34 i think mm -hmm. he's canto 33 yeah that's where dante reaches the darkest darkness yeah i think that tower is in pisa isn't it Yes, the Torre del think, Molino. Yeah, and oh, I actually yes. been I actually been there because I, I saw the picture. Oh, you have! Oh, I wow. was standing at that piazza and, and enjoying the beautiful architecture, and I didn't know. That <laughs> that was the and then I you heard, the, you hear the. Yeah, now I know that the ghosts up there, you know. <laughs> but uh, oh my! Yeah, so that's. But um, I had much of the same thinking with with Inferno. I think when when you go down to Circle Eight, when the monster, the Jerian monster comes up, that's that's one of the most breathtaking scenes when it's kind of, it's swimming up and uh, it, it changes at that point. It's a bit like he takes the the cord he has around his waist, which is a symbol of, of, uh, of hubris, pride, <laughs> uh, kind of arrogance, overconfidence. And that's yeah. the thing they throw into the darkness to, to get the monster, the fraud monster, 
like it comes when you when you give it some bit of arrogance some bit of, of of pride and hubris then it comes up to you but just the way it's swimming after that's uh and then also yeah it's, that, yeah. it's, it's wonderful i i think to uh, further answer your question if you're um, asking me what's something positive or even beautiful about inferno i really believe part of that flight they yeah. the virgil and dante do on the back yeah, yes. of jerry yeah. They're circling around, circling slowly, blah, blah, and how he's describing the the land that he sees from up above yeah. in a time yeah. in the Middle Ages where you know nobody had helicopters, even people like Leonardo da Vinci hadn't been born yet. Yeah. He actually imagined visually what it would mean to fly over a yeah. night landscape. Oh yeah, it's incredible. And then when they when they land there and the monster just shoots up like an arrow and then. It's kind of this glowing landscape of kind of it's just like this light glowing lights, but it's just it's full beautiful. evil. <laughs> yeah. <It's Yes>. kind, <laughs> so um yeah. So I think we could speak, yeah, there's lots more to say about Circle Eight. I, I think the the demons in the middle when they talk with the demons, the sorrow of Virgil. I just had a little list there like from before, but like mm-hmm. when Vir, when Virgil just bows his head and he's he's been fooled by the demons, it's a really also kind of heartbreaking moment in the story, I think. It's the, it's the first where rationality has failed totally. Like he he, yes. he he couldn't detect the evil. He couldn't detect the lies because the, the head demon says many true things and adds one little lie at the end. And then rationality doesn't doesn't detect it. And then and then the pilgrim had the hunch that something was wrong, and he was right. And then that's the first little. It's a bit like I, I remember you, you talked about like this this father son kind of parent child thing there as well. But it's like it's, it's the first little realization for the pilgrim that oh Virgil isn't all knowing. He's <laughs> in this case I, my hunch was was more right than than him both as a figure and as rationality that his his uh, his emotion or his uh, kind of a spiritual sense was was the one was a better guiding system in that particular case. Yeah. So. Yeah, there, there's. I would say, as a quick comment, there's something surprising and frightening uh, whenever we, in our life, um, the first time that we realize that uh, either one of our parents or our mentor that we respect so much is wrong. Yeah. And we had a realization that um, we actually got to the truth quicker and faster than them. There's something frightening because it opens up uh, the... Um, opportunity of independence no yeah yep and it's a loss of innocence in a sense and it's a it's a loss of protection <laughs> and and this mm-hmm. the world is more dangerous in some sense but then it also starts growing your confidence a little bit but it's like yeah, it's it's a complicated um, moment so um yeah so th- that was the inferno it's also on the side this the story about ulysses but we can take that another time i think that's fantastic when in the eight oh that's also fantastic yes, also let's how, do ulysses in your podcast yeah that could be a separate, Just about i think him. that's what is maybe maybe that that conto that story is the one i've been quoting most to people when about overconfidence in rationality and kind of how being strict like limiting yourself to just the pure rational realm is automatically blocking yourself from lots of knowledge and experience in the world. So that's why yes. it sinks down because it's it's a choice. It's, it's a, again, it's a mechanic. Like if you if you just if you, he wants all the knowledge in the in the rational system, but then he sees Mount Purgatory, but then the storm comes and he sinks down because he can't. Since he denies the existence of Purgatory in the first place, he just can't 
get there. So it's uh, you, you said you said it very well, very well. That word mechanic is is really because it's autom almost automatic. What happens? Yeah, Absolutely, exactly. So yeah, let's do an, an episode on that <laughs> one time. Okay, um, it's it's also a. Uh, it's uh, it's one of the brightest stories in itself before the ending. Also, it's kind of a little meta story or like a sub story in in the yes. Okay, so but let's then purgatory. It's also nice with purgatory, like the just the opening, also like for better words now. <laughs> it's just like this. Yes. Something one turns it just changes the whole atmosphere and like whoosh, that stuff is behind us. We're looking forward and it's going to get better. Um, but you spent now twenty eight episodes on purgatory so what's your feeling now about about the climb and the whole book um you know it's um even even richer and even more beautiful uh, purely beautiful than uh, what i remembered from my from my last read um it's uh, just like we were saying before the compenetration let's say of darkness and light in purgatory allows it and the fact that is time matters mm. in purgatory mm. allows it to be a much more direct reflection of uh, our day-to-day -day life than inferno and paradiso because inferno and paradiso are extremes yep. so they are naturally exaggeration are exager exaggerations um but purgatory it's all about the work, putting in work. And, yeah. and isn't that the summary of our life every day? We need to do the work. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and during this work, there is, uh, there is so much beauty to be, to be found. And, and, and that's what strikes me very much. It's so much beauty. Mm. Yeah, so I had... I prepared many quotes several <laughs> we don't have time for it but it's just oh, please, the, please go ahead. But, but it's just the feeling of the first page it's just to say like for better words now the little bark of my poetic powers hoisted sails and leaves behind that cruelest of the seas um mm -hmm. i also like when the ingenio i have a feeling it's more like his intellect so it's even more kind of he's alluding to there's an there's an internal journey here as well i, I think in italian has a little bit of that I mean, there's so yes. many ways of people like that they translate the word ingenuous as sometimes like a genius and i think that's completely wrong because the whole book You're is right. about the whole book is about humility like it's the, it's a key virtue it, it comes in the beginning with the read this kind of soft read it's it's what uh, cato says to him and it's over and over and over like humility is the first necessary step to to learn anything to acknowledge that yes. things beyond you to be open-minded and just to still have discoveries and learning. So he would never start that book by saying that he's a genius. <laughs> it's just it's one of those yeah. translations that is kind of the opposite. Um, but then, yeah, he says like sweet accompaniment, um, the, tender, the tender tint of orient sapphire, suffusing the still reaches of the sky as far as the horizon deeply clear. Renewed my oh eyes delight. Yeah, it's just so this if yeah. that doesn't make you shiver, I don't know what does. You know, yeah. that's uh, poetically, it's at the top, at the top of purgatory. That that portion you just read. Yeah, yeah. I uh, another sidestep. So I was um, looking through the Vulgaru, Vulgari Eloquencia again, and then uh, just seeing how how extraordinary he is with language when he just makes examples that that's when he just like in one little paragraph he says like three different levels of being being poetic one is is kind of it has not some like i don't remember his words now but like 
it's a little bit poetic, but it's a bit plain. And you read it like, yeah, that you get the feeling. And he does a little bit more. <laughs> and then he does the full, the full scale. And you just see it's so easy for him. It's just he just yes. has li, li, now look, it's like just have now we're just use another color. This is another color. And then you can so it's um yeah. And this uh, we, we could say that uh uh, this is a, a skill that he's been honing, he's been perfecting yeah. while writing Inferno. So while Inferno is magnificent, I don't see as much of this. As, I see that he gets better yes. as a writer as he progresses, no? Oh, yeah. Well, because I've been wondering how could he... So if he starts Inferno about 1308, I think more or less when he's 42, 43, and he, he spends about 12, 13 years. But I've, I've been thinking, how can it be, like, how can he make it like pitch perfect from the beginning? Because like he, he will automatically learn it, while he's moving. Exactly. Forward. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's something that uh, he, you know, he must have gone to bed, for example, in the evening, thinking yeah. about their sets to write the following day mm. and uh, praying. Right. While he was praying, he was asking God for the right type of enlightenment to write the, the, the right type of scenes. Yeah. And this mechanism, I'm sure, became a psychological habit yeah. that, that strengthened itself in his life. And, and that's why he, he, he improves. He actually improves. Yes. Yep. I, I think so too. And I, there are some places in the work where I get the sense that he really loves writing this, <laughs> these lines. Yes. That you just like, you um, yeah. And I think I think he was happy when he was finished with Inferno, <laughs> when he that first page of Purgatory. Uh, another one that stands out for me is um, is the opening of uh, Come to Ten in Paradise. When it comes to the sun, has a little bit the same feeling for me. That kind of now he does fresh page and like really full force and enjoyment and the kind of the energy is, is kind of sparkling out of the page i think so um yes yeah so yeah. um but, but just for for people who haven't read them purgatory so like he climbs up the mountain seven terraces the different uh, vices or so sins and then the, the virtues and so then how to how to repair or kind of to balance uh you had a I would also recommend people to look at the the next last video with like when you have it dan christian when you talk about his favorite canto which is also, probably one my favorite moment. If it is hard, I tried now to to make like a couple of favorites from each book, and as I, as I wrote to you, like it's impossible. It's so because, difficult. <laughs> yeah, because then you suddenly think like, well, do you mean overall? Do you mean like breathtaking? Do you mean beauty? Do you mean depth psychologically, philosophically? And all these different perspectives had different highlights immediately springing up. So, that's right. But, that's but right. still, the, the crowning speech of Virgil is a pivotal point in the story. I would say that's kind of then his. We finished with one, almost two books of building a rational foundation for yourself so th that you're able to, to move into the theological, into the intuitive, into paradise, and also discerning kind of the spiritual. You have, you have, you have the base, the rational base, which is crucial. So yes. it sounds like both yeah. of you were, <laughs> were kind of enjoying yeah, I, I, that content. That's very, very well said. I'm thinking, as you are saying this, of uh, of my own favorites. But like you say, you cannot just say favorite. So from a poetic maybe point of view or lyrical point of view, yeah. Canto One of Purgatorio, I could say that is my favorite. Uh, from a, a pleasure in the story point of view and the narrative, maybe Canto 27 is the best because you have Virgil saying goodbye in, in a sense. Yeah. Uh, so 
you you would have to pick the different categories, no? Yes. And yeah, that's an, yet another discovery of how wide ranging the work is, <laughs> so that that it doesn't make any sense mm -hmm. with Dante to say a favorite. So, um, but then, so uh, we're just gonna have a little bit of time for parodies or Atlanta, but. Um, I was watching your latest video, so you're starting now with Garden of Eden. Um, do you want to say a few things, like if people want to just kind of jump into your series now, but maybe they should start at the beginning of Purgatory, if they don't know the story that well. But but if you just you can if you say a little bit what happens with Garden of Eden, kind of what the role it has is the, is the top part of the mountain. Yeah, of course, the Garden of Eden is a, a, a very very special and unique play. Maybe is the most unique place in the whole Divine Comedy because you clearly understand the sense of, uh, you know, the, the, the afterworld on earth, which is inferno is in the depth of, of the earth. Then you have purgatory, which is, which is still on earth. And you clearly understand the fact that uh, Paradiso is not on earth, is somewhere else in celestial. But it's not easy to grasp where uh, Eden is because it's in between. Yeah. And uh, and this was Dante's choice. He is not really um, repeating Saint Thomas or Saint Augustine. He's purely chosen to say, well, um, and you know, it has. It's like many choices that Dante made was a perfect choice <laughs> because it's also dramatically it allows uh, him to build this uh, platform where. Uh, where to start again with this sense of innocence and where else could have could he have met Beatrice since uh, Beatrice from a certain point of view is the entire center of the divine comedy the reason why he decided to write the divine comedy he said i want to write the best thing that anybody has ever written for a woman and he mm -hmm. wrote the divine comedy mm -hmm. um then what else, what other place would be as perfect as the Garden of Eden to find there? Because it's a, it's a new beginning. It's a, a place where he is finally um, worthy. He's finally achieved a, a, a sufficient uh, esteem, a self-esteem, esteem of himself, mm -hmm. in order to go back in front of her and say, yes, I'm not really perfect yet but at least i've cleansed myself of all that crap that i had in my life yeah it's always so i think it's for me i think it's the most complicated part of the comedy is to get a grasp of the the, the earthly paradise of the garden of eden because it starts with that oh finally now we got into paradise it's all kind of this flowery easy light feeling of kind of <laughs> you get this angelic feeling just wandering around in this what you might have think thought about as the kind of the biblical Garden of Eden, and then yeah. it quickly kind of becomes more and more of like a, a crisis, <laughs> like a psychological crisis, a kind of the final judgment from Beatrice. He breaks down again and again, and it's it's a bit of a tumble in there <laughs> before his. You're right. He's through it. <laughs> I, I I didn't yeah I didn't think about that. If you know, as a first time reader, let's say, if you go into Garden of Eden. You would think, oh, here we are. You know, we we got we finally got there. That's yeah. that's it. Right? Uh, while it's only a starting point, uh, it, it's not an arrival point. It's a starting point from mm -hmm. from that point of view. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm still. Um, I, I, it's a comp. There are. Mm. 
So it's based very much upon like a fumbling with the words here because I'm, I'm fumbling with my thoughts that it's it's very, it's very much borrowing from the revelation and kind of sainted like from from the biblical revelation story and it's it has the same kind of very deep allegory in it as well that he's he's playing on so it's um yeah, it's, it's hard what to make yes. of it but uh, you get the church history that's very kind of interesting it's it's also interesting how he like the his worst fault is that he didn't use his talents in life um that's another thing i've been thinking like why like what how can that be so serious in one sense like that you didn't use your talent like as a, the worst but but reading other books from like i think it's the start of the monarchy yeah, you you see how important it is for dante personally to 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 make his life kind of make a difference and to use his talent properly it's kind of an obsession almost that he really has to to manage to do this and make the most of it yeah i mean and that's why you're absolutely right when you say it's the most difficult uh, part to to properly understand because um it you know it, if we look at divine comedy only from the psychological point of view uh, where it's uh, extremely powerful the garden of eden is that point where you say okay i've done some work on myself on my and i understood but now i have to align what i am with the higher abstract divine will yeah and probably and that's what you're saying right in terms of doing the most of your talents okay but what exactly does it mean and in what way to what degree that takes uh, more work in order to uh, to properly properly understand it uh, spiritual work um, real life work you know i i love the fact that uh, like you say he uses a lot of the revelation and apocalypse as his source for for this last cantos mm. because and obviously we are not theologians we are just passionate readers exactly but uh, <laughs> you know um the apocalypse is um beautiful part of the bible of the, the new testament and uh, despite the monstrosity of many of those images that you find in, in the revelation in apocalypse uh, it's extremely positive it's very very positive and it's one of the first things that i understood about that part of the new testament when i first properly studied it is how this contrast between how frightening it seems on the surface but really how consolatory and 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 positive and constructive it is because really it's all about jesus christ it's all about uh, the the power of, of christ that's very interesting i have to to look into it but i'm a little bit hesitating <laughs> to, to start reading <laughs> the, the revelation <laughs> I, I need i need a guide to kind of explain to me what it means i think before i like um, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, I cannot be there. <laughs> <laughs> if you find it, let me know. <laughs> but, but what you're saying, like, uh, I, I love what you're saying, and I, I think it, it occurs to me something that, well, maybe it's a part of the, well, both another, again, reminder of hum, uh, to be uh, to be humble, like the humility and kind of not thinking that, oh, I'm at the top of the mountain. Now I know everything. Now it's, it's just going to be like a, a walk in a, in the, the, like a flower bed of you know, this meadows of flowers, but they still, yeah. still have a way to go. And maybe there's something about this catharsis uh, idea as well, that it's going to be like, what will come there is a kind of a, 
Like it flushes out, but it's it's not that is in itself just the realism of it. It's like it's not always a pleasant feeling when it's like changing, even if you change to something better in life. It that change is not always a pleasant and light process. It can be kind of, or it can be positive, but then at a certain point, there's going to be a little bit of before it kind of the, the new thing comes. So it it might be something, but this emotional psychology of Dante there. Yes, I completely agree, and uh, and probably that's the reason why Dante uh, can be easily read from a non-Christian standpoint as well, mm-hmm. because it goes so deep into the psychology of of uh, into the human psychology that, you know, somebody like Carl Jung or whatever can just see all these points without necessarily being Christian. Exactly. So um, just take maybe five minutes at the end there, just go a bit of Paradiso. I mean, so maybe a month from now, we're going to start to Paradiso. The last part of the journey, you have any thoughts about that? And also like how you know it from before and how it's going to be approaching it now after Going, making all the videos for the first two books. So I'm going to be honest with you. My 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 main thought about Paradiso is I'm afraid because I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it justice. Mm. Um, there is uh, like we just discussed a level of complexity to Purgatorio that maybe Inferno does not have, mm. and there is a level of complexity to Paradiso that maybe Purgatorio does not have. Yeah. Um, you know, somebody like Thomas Elliot said uh, um, that, for in his opinion, uh, while some of the Paradiso cantos were his favorite, like number 33, and for me as well, mm-hmm. but uh, the fact that Dante decided to put basically theology in poetry makes it so really difficult. I mean, because if you don't, if you have not digested that theology and philosophy first, how can you then enjoy the poetry about the theology? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I'm i a little bit concerned that I'm not going to be, I'm, I, I'm only going to scratch the surface, but I'll do my best. Yeah. But for, it took me, I had to read Paradise a few times before I really started liking it, like that I can just pick it up and, and get so enjoyment from some parts of it that I felt like at least some, some parts here and there, I suddenly felt that it was starting to make a bit more sense. Uh, I think he puts a lot of like the key in the moon, the portal of the moon, and that moment where he gets sucked into the moon. He's a solid body and he goes in, like light into water. He's sucked into the moon. And it, this doesn't add up. Like you can't have two solid bodies in the same place at the same time. <laughs> and Beatrice says, we're in heaven. <laughs> like this is like, it's different there. But I think uh, he gives us this, this uh, kind of mind bending thing there in part to, I'm, I'm not fully sure, but there's something about like, you have, there's something about the spiritual and the material world and the kind of the, how you how you apprehend the spiritual and the material. And then there's something about like, you can have both active at the same time. And there's kind of, there's an extra level going on in Paradiso all along. And then that extra level might, you might have to build that from nothing the first time you read it and getting into into the spiritual theology that that he has. Yeah, kind of yeah. I, I, lo- yeah. I mean, I, I love it in the very beginning of, of Paradiso, where Dante actually says to us yeah. in the first canto, uh, he says, look, guys, at this point, uh, 
you know, I, so far I've been kind of uh, going faster, oh, but yes. I haven't really pushed on the accelerator. Now I'm going to push on the accelerator fully. So yeah. I'm sorry if you stay behind, but, <laughs> you know, and, and that, there's a, a sense that that's exactly what, it, what he's doing, right? It's almost like he's he's drawing a lot from like the monasteries and this new monasticism in kind of Italy and France, 11, 1200s. And he knows that this is not, this is not common knowledge. <laughs> like this isn't, uh, yeah. Like his, his, I'm sure, his, I'm sure his readership have, gets uh, smaller and smaller. He knew that, I guess. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, what we have lost is uh, the type of human interactions that Dante must have had during his exile. I'm 100% sure that he had a chance to meet with abbots, monks, oh, and yes. people yeah. who helped him, especially for Paradiso, who helped him kind of inform Paradiso and uh, and write it at the end of yeah. the day. Um, I have thought the so, same because it, it like the structure is also a part of this uh, um, this ascent in the, like this like prayer and and like for the monks that they they go higher and higher and finally they reach this kind of ecstatic of the unification with the divine. But it's a it's a process like the one adventure talks about, for example, that that is also a structure of the of the paradise in addition to being kind of the nine angelical levels with Dionysus. But it's it's um it seems. Like it wouldn't surprise me if he spent some time in some monasteries also and just uh, right, right, participated in these practices to to learn to do it, because it's it's what he writes is close to how they actually did it. It's just so. Um, but what you said, like it's uh, I just it came to mind now. I always love Canto Two, the opening when he says uh, of of Paradiso, which he says, "All of you who, in your wish to hear my words, have followed thus far in your little boat behind my ship that singing sails oh, yeah, these waters, true. go back now while you still can see the shores. Do not attempt the deep. It it well could be that losing me, you would be lost yourself. So that's uh, yes, I think it's, it, it's, yeah. it sounds arrogant, right? But it's actually true. That's that is true. Yeah, and and there's a warning that you can read so many things into the into the paradiso because it's so uh, so abstract and so kind of spiritual uh was just one one more thing that i really love about the beginning just like uh which is kind of a highlight when it starts is that um because i think that's another key to understanding what is happening because it's kind of purely spiritual in some sense the whole book so that uh like how does it how does this ascent start and it comes when like he sees that Beatrice is just, this is the first chapter, she's looking up towards, up the, <laughs> towards the divine, the divine light. And then he just says that, uh, like first he says, no one can stare so fixed and straight into such light. No eagle could ever look at it as she does. And then he says, as one descending ray of light will cause a second one to rise up again, just as a pilgrim yearns to go back home. So like a ray, her act poured through my eyes into my mind and gave rise to my own. I stared straight at the sun as no man could. So oh. it's just the way he's imitating, like, or it's just like the, he sees her, let's say she's just theology. So she's theology suddenly focusing fully on the divine. And then he sees that and he goes into his mind and then he copies in his mind what he is seeing. So it's just like this imitation <laughs> that he's doing. And then he looks up and then it has already started. So we never know exactly which instant it starts, but as he just does it, and then he's kind of flying. And it's just a way of saying that 
Like I love you, it. I love if it. You, if you want to try to do this yourself, all you have to do in one sense is to imitate what he's doing. Like focus on the theology, on the divine, then the journey has already started in you. Yes, yes, that yes. I, I just love it. I love how you put it. It's uh, this kind of, uh, that's how trust works, doesn't it? Mm, trust yeah. works uh, not by doing a specific thing, but by this uh, internal movement that happens yeah. in, in yourself and then you turn and oh it's already happened yeah no exactly yeah so um i, I thought it was a, it's such a beautiful touch how he does it like it's not so that then then i looked up and then i started flying it's just like he does something yeah. and then he just it also it takes also a little while before he realizes that he's he's, he's flying yes <laughs> yes I, I remember having this sense when the, the very first time i i reread it mm. um and it's actually one of the most beautiful scenes of paradise, in my opinion, that this kind of flight that reminds uh, us people with a lot of pop culture in our brains. It reminds us of Superman and Lois Lane flying in the yeah, yeah. flying in the yeah. sky. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, you, you know, it also reminds uh, or us or me the the point of uh, of, of love as uh, as falling in love with a woman. Um, as one of the ways in which uh, a human being, of course, I say in a woman because I'm talking about me, but it could be the opposite. There's a, falling in love in general mm -hmm. as one of these uh, ways in which the divine touches us um, because that's what Dante is telling us with, with Beatrice, with the character of, of Beatrice. He's telling us, I'm not only writing this because I had, you know, I fell in love with this woman when I was young. I'm writing because I know that that level of uh, intensity and happiness mm -hmm. uh, is a human thing that all of us feel at some point in our life. We we fall in love, yeah. and if we if we think about if if we think about that moment when that happened in our life, that's uh, so intense and so strong that um, it's a perfect springboard. Yeah, if we are interested in knowing God. In knowing the real source of, of happiness, uh, if you're young, you don't have the ability to reach God. But I think this is, in a rough sense, what what it's trying to tell us. Uh, yes, I fully. I think that's. Um, I, I wonder if that's what happened with Dante himself. Like his that Beatrice, this love he felt was for him the opening to the divine because he was so strong. That became the portal for him personally. And that's also why he <laughs> he puts that Probably. in his work, and that uh, yeah. this also goes into um, uh, maybe as the last point, but like the, the earlier form of Christendom, like the first thousand years as well, was very different. Like then, uh, the love uh, was seen a kind of love, and the intimacy was seen as a portal to the divine in itself. It was kind of the, ah, like exactly. the portal. You're absolutely so, right. Yeah. So that was. It was not something that was bad or sin at all. It was it was one of the best portals into something. It was a door, exactly yeah, a door. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's um, there will be so much. There will be so much to <laughs> yeah, exactly. This comes like, with new topics. Yeah. I mean, this is like the Maybe... Beatrice. Beatrice just gets more and more and more beautiful as well. It's a little bit the same. Like you think she can't get any more beautiful, but like oh, still her her eyes is shining even more and uh, and all of that. And yes. yeah. Last thing I had on the list with Paradiso is that. Was one of the favorite moments there is when she says that it's in the sixth uh, sphere, 
because he sees paradise in her eyes all the time. Like so, uh, like like sees theology, and then kind of he, he focuses on that theology, and then he sees the divine, the kind of the beauty. But then uh, when you get to that point, she says to him suddenly that like paradise is not only in my eyes anymore; it, it's everywhere around you. Like, <laughs> and it's that kind of oh. threshold when he doesn't actually have to look into to, to super focus on on the theology anymore because it starts to yeah. be everywhere in him and kind of he, he's, he's starting to have it everywhere around him and the way he sees the world so it kind of it, it infuses so the whole world gorgeous. yeah I, I think that's that's one of the also one of those incredible touches it's just one little turset she just has this one line mm-hmm. and it's like oh that's, um, it actually reminds me of a quote um by a Jewish theologian, and maybe if I find the name, I will tell you, but he says, uh, theology is so great, but it's the menu. Um, mm. the, you know, we had to move from the menu to actually eating the, eating the dinner. Mm. And, uh, and that's the actual that. spiritual life and, uh, and, and living your life with God. I think that's a fantastic point to end with. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> fun, and, and finding it in yourself, that's kind of, Mm. Yeah, something that started for me uh, some years ago. That suddenly you, you just you just don't like. It's not that you only imagine it, but you, it actually you find it inside of yourself, and then you you understand what it means in a whole different way. So that's uh, yeah, that's maybe yes. when you find the food yes. and not just the menu. <laughs> so absolutely, yeah. Wow, just. Um... It's not. It's not. Uh, it's not light because it's Dante, right? You, yeah. you cannot talk about Dante without feeling touched yourself every single time. That's mm. that's how it is. Yes, yes, it's incredible, and it's. Uh, I've tried putting Dante away for a few times, but then, uh, like four or five days, or so, I just have to take <laughs> out this portable Dante, read yeah, a couple of pages. <laughs> yeah exactly so it's that really just and then then it all comes back and then kind of there's a new new energy new nutrition and then uh yeah so it's it's um but and i think it's gonna it's the technique of the of the whole work this is what dante is doing because he, he creates things in you so it, it's you discover things inside of yourself yes. as well and that's i think that's another one yes. of the keys okay so well this was super nice. I mean, oh, I've been doing wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Thanks so should, much, Richard, for your time. Do do many more of these, and um, as you go along, and just again, I will put the link to your channel in the description, and and uh, just highly recommend, encourage people to have a look and uh, join join the journey, and it's uh, it will give the huge rewards from from giving it a bit of time and kind of just fo- concentrating a little bit, and then you kind of it will keep giving to you. I think so. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. So, thank you so much again, and uh, see you again in another episode. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Bye-bye.